Welcome to the Caring for Carers series, episode one, the case for supporting carers in the workplace. Why should employers care and how can they support? In this episode, we talk to Danielle Robertson, a recognised leader in carer support for organisations and carers alike. Danielle has worked in the caring industry for over three decades. She was the CEO of Dial and Angel, a leading company supporting families with home, aged, child and family care. In 2016, Danielle became chairman of the New South Wales ACT chapter of Family Business Australia and is a national board member of the association. Throughout her career, Danielle has contributed to the development of the care industry by lobbying the Commonwealth Government on issues ranging from subsidising the cost of care through to recognising nannies as professional carers. She now has her own consultancy firm, DRC Solutions, which finds the best quality of care options for private clients. She also offers care concierge packages to corporates that wish to support employees with caring responsibilities and consults with leaders to support them with process improvement in the area. Some of the topics we'll cover with Danielle include the business case for supporting employees, the reality of what it's like to be a carer today, challenges faced by carers who are balancing their caring responsibilities with work responsibilities, practical examples of how organisations can bring the caring conversation out into the open. And finally, we'll look at policies and benefits that support employees who are carers. So without further ado, here's another great podcast brought to you by Parents at Work. Welcome, Danielle, and thank you for talking to us today. Um, I'd just like to start with two really interesting statistics from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Um, The first is one in eight people in Australia are carers and the second is 56% of primary carers participate in the workforce compared with 80% of non-carers. They also think these statistics are much higher um, as many people don't necessarily see themselves as carers because they're caring for family members. There was also an interesting statistic in a study by Deloitte. Um, The study was called The Economic Value of Informal Care in Australia. And it it stated that it was estimated that carers provide 1.9 billion hours of unpaid care and the replacement value of the unpaid care provided in 2015 was 60.3 billion, which was over 1 million per week. So... So it's clear from these statistics that it's really important to acknowledge carers week, um, but and and of course carers. But to take this a little bit deeper, can you tell us what you see in the caring industry and also from families about how the work carers do is perhaps um, be not being acknowledged to its full capacity? I think a lot of people don't realise that they are actually carers. For example, my own dad is 86, nearly 87, and he's in care now, respite care, but the amount of time that his partner has has given to him 24-7 care for the last, say, five years, plus my sister and I 
and our hours that we've gone in and given her some respite, that's never calculated. So, you know, and we're, we're in our 50s and we're working full time. So how do those people that don't have um, a, a partner or a carer uh, looking after them, what do they do? Do they then rely on their kids? Do they end up homeless? Do they end up um, in residential aged care well before their time? You know, there's so many things that we, we uh, are aware of that these carers that are doing it on a voluntary basis should be given some sort of um, recompense or some sort of discount on things because there is so much volunteer work out there that's not being picked up by the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Um, you know, given the fact that the census, people wouldn't say, I wouldn't have put down that I'm a carer at all. Mm. Um, yet so there's probably a million people like me out there that aren't even being captured in, in the census on that basis. Um, so, yeah, that's very interesting. But the industry is facing uh, a bit of a crisis because there isn't enough good quality carers able to provide home care or even care and facilities um, within Australia. A lot of Australian people don't want to be doing this as their career, as their profession. Um, and, and this is where a lot of overseas people are coming in who might have been trained as a doctor or a nurse overseas who can't actually work in Australia as a doctor or a nurse and they become carers um, from that basis. So that's there to support families who don't have anyone that's volunteering, um, you know, care for them mm. so the the issues they face obviously is those that are caring for family members and have caring responsibilities they have to take time off work to take parents to medical appointments um, to assist them if they become ill um, and that affects productivity from the workplace as well um, you know I've, I've done a business case for one of the big four banks and it's a saving of something like two million dollars a year if they bring in like a care concierge like myself to actually um, uh, help families through this system through the complex aged care or disability care system to get the care that they require um, on a quicker basis than the person or the individual then going out to try and uh, find the care and and assistance themselves or doing it themselves. So there's certainly a business case from the employer's side to think, consider about supporting their um, workforce who have caring responsibilities. So it's really about um, all of us valuing, you know, from top down or bottom up or however you want to look at it, from us valuing ourselves as carers first, acknowledging that we are carers Um Kind of, I guess, being open with that in the workplace, um, having a discussion with our employers about it, and and kind of bringing out more into the open this the, the how important caring is and how um, vital it is for our community as well. Absolutely, because just think about all those people who are doing this on a volunteer basis. If they don't have that help, it's going to put a tremendous strain on the government. Tremendous. Can you imagine that the figures that you were quoting initially, mm. can you imagine if those volunteers or the, the carers, the non-paid volunteers or carers, weren't there, that would put enormous pressure on the government, unbelievably. Um, mm. And it wouldn't. The, the system, society would just crash without these carers, so they should be valued. I mean, mm. I've heard of people who are um, working full-time, they've got kids in school, they're running their kids around, they're trying to deal with their parents who are ageing and, you know, they're burning out themselves. Um, you know, they get sick and then once the carers get sick, that's when real, real problems occur. 
I was thinking about this this morning actually and the fact there's a lot of, uh, apart from the, the statistics around or the very the fact that we're an ageing population um, and there's, there's going to be more and more people that are living longer but also that the statistics around just general health um, are, are skyrocketing. So I... I'm in my late 30s and I have a number of friends in their 30s who have been diagnosed with different things that like cancers and breast cancers and things like that. And it's showing us that we um, we may be living longer but we're getting sicker and, and, and this is where that caring role, we need to really up the ante on how much we appreciate that. But how, how would you... Um, how do we respond to that? Like what can we do to do that? Look, I think once again it's a bit like mental health, people starting to discuss that it's it's common. Um, you know, everywhere I go there's people that will talk to me about, oh, I've got an ageing mother, I've, oh, I wish I'd met you three years ago or, um, you know, I, I've got an uncle that's re- really problematic for the family, we don't know what to do with him. Every single person I'm speaking with has a story. So how can we support those people in getting the right support for them and making sure that they're not burning out, uh, making sure that they can continue to work and also making sure that their loved one is well cared for. So it's actually just discussing it and finding ways of supporting those people who have caring responsibilities. And it might not be just for the ageing parents. It might be for a child with a disability. Um, You know, there's a huge number of people out there that have got kids with disabilities, even ageing people who have got kids with Down syndrome and other disabilities who they're really concerned about as, as the, then the elder parents getting older um, and not knowing what's going to happen once they pass away to their child with a disability. Um, so they're providing a huge amount of, of care as well. So it's just really talking about it, educating people that the carers are out there doing a magnificent job and that the strain on the government would be exorbitant if we didn't have carers um, to, the, you know, there's a huge number of carers out there looking after loved ones. Um, so I think employers are now actually looking at this in as part of employee assistance programs. Um, I think they're identifying uh, in surveys that uh, employees have got so, you know, these, these um, uh, caring responsibilities. So then they're talking to those people and saying, how can we support you? It might not be a monetary way, but it might be just providing them with some support um, that if they need flexibility, if they've got a parent that's chronically ill, needs to be taken to medical appointments, that to support them better. Um, and I think that's what the employers are now looking at to make sure that their employees feel valued and that they have the support that they require and also that they can still come into work and feel valued in the workplace. Mm, yeah. So I guess there's a, a level of understanding, you know, that it's not always going to be go smoothly as well. And, I mean, I, I was my next question was going to be what are some of the policies or, or procedures that you're seeing employers implement? Um, and the first thing that comes to mind is, flexibility around work hours yes um but is there anything can you expand on that or is there anything else Um, that really comes to mind a a couple of the companies that I've been doing a bit of work for are actually subsidizing my fees to help their employees have support quickly and get the care sorted out for their loved one um Mm. so that that person can then 
get back into the workplace quicker and know that have peace of mind that their loved one is being well cared for. Um, and, you know, some of the firms are subsidising my costs to assist them on that basis. Um, or one of the banks, as I was saying, is looking at um, doing an interest-free loan for the um, employees to utilise my services so that it takes the pressure off coming up with funds to pay for someone like me to assist um, the person through to navigate the aged care or disability care system um, and takes the pressure off financially that they don't have to come up with um, funds to pay for someone like me. So, you know, some employees employers are looking at, you know, subsidising the fees. Some are offering interest-free loans. Others are just offering the service to any employee that has caring responsibilities. But as I said, some of of the companies that um, uh, I've been speaking with haven't even thought or asked their workforce who has caring responsibilities. So how can they support them if they don't know who, how many people they have? Um, you know, some the, the big bank that I've been speaking with has got 30% of their staff have caring responsibilities, whether it be childcare, disability care or aged care. I mean, that's a huge, huge number of people that have got those caring responsibilities. And that's they're just the people that are saying that they're carers, as we discussed at the beginning. It's, yes. it, it's highly likely it's quite higher than that. Yes, yes, likely, yeah. likely. I think it would be, as I said, because it would be like me who I would never say that I'm a carer, but yet I do a, quite a lot of care and support of my, my dad and, um, you know, his partner. So I think every person would probably be classified as a carer in one way, shape or form. And then you're looking at 24 million people. <laughs> yeah, well. well, not quite that many, but, you know, I mean, probably yeah. more than has been documented. And what's the risk of a company who wants to ignore the, this fact? Um, what what do they lose out on, I guess? Well, I think the employees will leave. I mean, if they're not getting the support from their employer, they'll, they'll leave or, or, you know, have a huge amount of sick leave or take time off you know that then affects the whole team um, so I think that all employers small or large should be aware of this and understand I look I, I'm heavily involved in family business as well family business Australia which is an association that supports family businesses and most family businesses would know all of their employees and and their situations so it's a little bit different to the corporate world but I think the corporate world particularly with some of the larger corporations the listed companies wouldn't have a clue uh, as to the numbers of people that have kept, got caring responsibilities and the pressures and stresses that they're bringing to work without the employer even knowing. Um, so that's what I'm saying that a number of the firms that I've been talking to is I'm saying please survey your staff and just ask them who has this. That you know They don't have to divulge exactly what's wrong with the person that they're caring for, but just so that the, the, the employer is aware that these people have got um, you know, other responsibilities and stresses and strains and maybe not to put so much pressure on them um you know I, I think that that's what we can do to support carers in the workplace um and I guess in terms of uh, the the trends the latest trends and reform underway for carers in Australia um and internationally can you give us a little bit of insight about what's going on there look I think there's there's a, going to be a royal commission for aged care um in aged care and that will definitely affect the carer side of things as well. Um, Not so much maybe families who are caring for other family members, but um, it will be for uh, true carers in the the real sense of the word that are paid. Um, I think that we're going to see a huge number of um, unemployed people 
who have been caring for loved ones uh, who have never done anything else. Um, and when that person passes away, those people go, well, I'm not qualified. I've cared for a person for many years, um, but I can't get a job in aged care because I'll oh, now I need to go and study a certificate three or a certificate four. So I think there will be a large group of, of older women workers who um, will have to either retrain or be unemployed, as I mentioned. Um, the, I think the government is going to be looking at that very carefully uh, in relation to homelessness as well. Um, but, yeah, the, I think that with the uh, Royal Commission into Aged Care and Disability Care, I think there'll be some um, things that are coming out of there that might be of interest uh, down the track once we know a bit more about it. Great. And and on the whole, what do you feel can be done to support carers better? Um, ask them. Ask them what you can do to support them. Uh, you know, get get it from the, the horse's mouth, so to speak. You know, it, no point us uh, speculating on what they want or what they need. Make sure that they're well cared for, that they get some respite and time out too and that they look after themselves. It's really important. Most carers... Uh, sort of don't look after themselves first. They, you shouldn't. You should use the analogy of, of on an aeroplane. You know, fit your own oxygen mask first, and then do others. Um, mm. Whereas I think that a lot of carers focus on everyone else first, and then when they get sick, they go, "Oh gosh, I should have looked after myself better." So to make sure that we, we're supporting them, and if they need a break, to to organise some assistance or to um, you know hop in and, and take a take over from them for a period of time to give them that break mm. yeah, just just to ask them what they want and what they need and then how can we support them better i mean the government has only got one bucket of money they can't keep throwing money at left right and center in this area um because if they take it from one area you know it, probably from health or from education or child care you know mm. to push into aged care or to the care to support the carers um you know i i think there's going to be a problem down the track that the government doesn't actually have enough money to to share across all areas um on on supporting people like uh, who are carers and and voluntary care carers and i mean even the carers um disability support pension or the carers um uh, pension that they can get is very minimal anyway um to support, you know, to remain at home looking after their loved ones. So I, I, as I said, I think just look, ask them what we can do to help them and support them in their in their home workplace. It's it's such an important point, isn't it? Because it's almost, um, I guess, if if we're reaching any crisis point with this, it's it's also almost an opportunity to for all of us to go a bit deeper with our caring responsibilities, whether we're an employer, whether we are a neighbour, whether we um, are an organisation that can supports carers in some ways, but or, or even the government, it's that conversation. Yes, there's only a certain amount of money, but there's the conversation makes such a difference because, like you said, a lot of carers won't even acknowledge or value their role as a carer but if they are asked then they they it's almost like a they get to feel how important they are and how important their own self-care and well-being is which can actually if you like create more of a village feel around caring yeah, well, that's true. And, I mean, you know, they, often carers feel isolated because they're not getting any socialisation um, apart from, you know, the person that they're caring for. 
And, you know, I've got a client at the moment who's got terminal um, bone cancer and she's caring for her 63-year-old son with early-onset dementia. Wow. Uh, and, and, I mean, she, she's dealing with her own pain and, and she's end of life and yet she's so focused on making sure that we're getting really good care for her son, um, you know, and his condition is deteriorating. So, you know, no matter how old you are, you, it can be the other way around. You know, this, you know, she's at end of life and has been caring for this man for the last three years. Um, and you shouldn't have to do that. And I mean, she's struggling with her own, own issues. So um, it's it's really sad to see in a way. Um, and I, I, I worry for her. But, you know, at least she's getting support. Her family have identified that she needs the support. And so we're organising that for her. But once again, at least that having those difficult discussions, a lot of families don't want to talk about it. They just get in and do it. But it is to support them, have that community feel. And, you know, people, all you have to do is ask. And generally people are very good and will sort of, um, uh, you know, jump in and support people who are having a difficult time. I mean, you see it all the time when you hear of, uh, you know, GoFundMe pages and, you know, people put up something and there's a huge interest and support. So all, all it takes is someone to have a discussion and say, um, you know, I, I'm struggling, you know, I, I can't cope with working full time and I'm caring for my father and, and to have that support and know where to go, um, you know, there, there are support mechanisms to help people either in the workplace or who are in the community that's great thank you so much danielle and where can people go if they would like um extra support from someone like yourself i would speak to a gp number one if you've got any concern um and uh there's also carers australia there's carers new south wales and carers per state um associations and also people like myself who can support families in the community to get care, uh, additional care, or find care. So to match up with a home care provider, get some government services, and or to also um, uh, make sure that they find the right facility if need be. Um, you know, we can help out on that basis as well. So that's DRC Care Solutions can assist on that basis. But, yeah, there is some community help out there. The government does have Carers New South Wales, Carers Victoria, as I said, Carers Australia. Um, so you can log on and have a look and see if they're, they're able to assist. And also Carers at Work, you guys have got, um, uh, you know, help for people in the in the workforce. So, you know, the HR team is um, keen to utilise your services. There's, there's uh, resources there as well. That's great. Thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us today. That was, um, there's some really valuable insights for employers and carers um, in there. So thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks. Mm-hmm.